2: Welcome to ABG Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. I'm Janet. I'm Mel. And I'm Helen.
0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Asian Boss Girl podcast. So on today's episode, we decided to dig a little deeper with our parents to hear and share the stories that they never told us. You know, there have been many times in my mid-20s, late 20s, early 30s, even just yesterday, I stop and think to myself, what i'm experiencing right now the life i have lived and am living right now will never be fully shared or even appreciated by my child the story of how philip their dad and i met the ups and downs we had throughout our relationship the slight but romantic things he would do for me like reaching for my hand when he was sitting in the front seat of a lift and he'd reach back and hold on to me while maintaining conversation with the lift driver how i said to him that that was one of the most romantic things that he'd ever done and how he'd say oh you think that was romantic you just watch yet he never did that again. So all of these moments, the ups and downs, our college experience, our careers, all of the emotions and feelings we've had leading up to become the person we are today and their parents in the future. All of this will never be fully understood by our kids. And even if we recap these stories in some way or form, one, we'll likely forget a lot of the details and two, they might not even wanna hear it till they're a lot older themselves. And maybe by then we'll
2: forget these stories altogether. When I was a child, my parents often shared bits and pieces of their past with me. And I know like the basics, the overall of where they grew up and how they met. Um, But I used to listen to these stories just noticing the top level facts. There's something about the traditional Asian household that makes it really challenging and difficult to get to a level of intimacy where we both are at a place of comfort. And we both let our walls down and allow the details to really freely flow. Uh, But lately, I've been able to have more real and intentional talks with my mom and my dad. And I would say that this is mostly coming from a change on my end. Uh, I find myself now more capable of really listening to them and having the curiosity to ask follow-up questions um, about their stories to get more detail. All this gave us the idea to
1: reach out to our parents and ask them to share the stories they never told us. Or maybe they did and we weren't listening. But I'm curious to hear these stories from your parents and excited to share mine as well in today's episode. I definitely felt some emotions when talking with my mom. We're definitely making our Asian parents feel some kind of feelings, you know? So we're going to do this in two parts, our parents' childhood stories and then their relationships.
0: Yes, and for the childhood stories, we prompted our parents with questions like, what is a story that you always think about from your childhood? What were your favorite toys or games that you played? How was it like growing up with your sisters or brothers? When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? What is something you miss about China or Taiwan or your hometown? These are questions that you as listeners jot these down because you can use this as a guide to ask your parents the same questions as well. Trust me, it sparked conversation that we've all never had with our parents before, and it is a great exercise to do with your parents. So Mel Mel, why don't you kick us off here with your parents' childhood stories? So I'm actually really excited for this episode. I don't know if it's
1: just the timing, but lately I've been having a lot of like really great family dinners, and during the dinners, they've been going back and sharing their stories of how they grew up in Taiwan and Hawaii. And so this episode just feels like it's a good time for this. Um, so to give you guys some background, I mostly uh, spoke with my mom. And my mom grew up in Tiamu, which is like kind of a, it's a city or district in Taipei. And she was surrounded by family, both on my grandma's side and my grandpa's side. Um, My grandpa's actually from the countryside but moved to the city when he married my grandma and they all lived in this city of tiamu and so everyone in our family her family was there like my grandma has five sisters and my grandpa has three sisters imagine all the extended family living in one one area and my my mom said that as a kid they ran a grocery store and the story she remembers is actually the story of her immigrating from taiwan to hawaii and I think you know just giving the context of like being surrounded by all this family and she like mostly hung out with her cousins versus like her friends I think and she was I guess they had the idea my grandparents had the idea to like send the kids over to Hawaii and at first it was like so exciting because my mom was like you know we were the first kids in our school to like immigrate to the state so we felt very like oh wow like Kind of like the cool kids. Like we get to like go to the land of opportunity. But I think immigrating for them was a different story. And that's something I wasn't, I didn't really know much as a kid because I just knew as a child that I would Hawaii and see my family. Um, but I didn't really know the experiences of how it was for my mom and her two younger brothers living in Hawaii. She was sent to Hawaii with just her two younger brothers, my Uncle Chong and Uncle Tom. And her parents, my grandparents stayed in Taiwan to run the business. And so they were away from their parents and they were sent to live with one of their aunts who was already immigrated there two years prior and offered to house my my mom and her siblings in hawaii but um, however as great as the opportunity was to move to the states it was actually very hard for my mom and her siblings because Mm -hmm. there were also three other kids kids of her own living at the house already so imagine a house of six kids um, and being away from your, your parents and I asked her, I was like, you know, why was it difficult? Like, you were so excited to go to the States. You know, it's a great opportunity. Um, Like, why were you feeling – like, why do you feel like it wasn't what you expected? And I think as she said to me, she was like, you know, now as a mom myself and as an adult, I understand more what my aunt went through. But it was hard because she felt like her and her two younger siblings weren't treated fairly compared to their cousins, Mm. which makes sense now as an adult. But I think when you're a kid, my mom was, I think – only well she was 14 so she understood but my youngest uncle was only like 10 and I think an example she shared was like for example when they would all have dinner together you know they were second to eat so uh, my aunt would grab plates and you know um, they would have she remembered this fish story she would fry up a fish and my aunt would take three plates for her kids and grab the meat for the fish and then hand it to her children and then my mom and her siblings would come in to get the food Mm. so I think in some way she kind of felt like oh that wasn't just didn't feel fair. And I think Mm. as a kid, you're like, oh, like, why do I get to eat second? And then she would share how stories about, like, on the weekends, my aunt ran a furniture store here in Hawaii, and they would have to work on the weekends, um, you know, with shipping or with other – working at the flea market. And I think naturally my my mom and her siblings being the older ones – they had to do more responsibility versus my cut hurt their cousins were get to like play around a bit and she was saying how like i remember we we're back in hawaii and we we're visiting there's an alley where the furniture store was she was like oh she was like asking my uncle tom she's like do you remember that korean restaurant that we would always smell the barbecue but we'd never get it like we would never get to eat this fancy food or have kfc or have all these really amazing food that like her other friends are having so she felt kind of like oh these are the moments i remember like not having these things and I think it was just maybe a very stark contrast from her experience in mm. Taipei where it's like surrounded by family and, uh, and my, my, my grandparents are very generous versus like then coming to Hawaii where she felt kind of restricted. And I think she felt, I think she feels like Bab understands that like, she's like, if I was a mom and I had my own kids, I, I understand why you, it's hard to treat everyone fairly when you're thinking about your own children. Obviously that experience, she hasn't really escaped that thought. Um, so I think whenever we're back in Hawaii and we're eating, like, these 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 types of restaurants, she's, like, she, when she shares, like, oh, like, I didn't get to eat that as a kid. I, I wasn't able to have that. Um, it makes me, like, think about, like, oh, like, my mom, like, would always get KFC for us as a kid. And, like, I was very... I, she takes us out all the time for restaurants. so I think that's something she probably has remembered as a kid, that she wants to make sure that my brother and I get the opportunity to eat all these great things. Um, but, yeah, so I think... She did say, she was like, I'm really fortunate that, like, I'm able to, like, I wouldn't have the life I have if I didn't, if your grandparents didn't send us off to Hawaii. But she said, as a mother, I don't know if I could send my kids to a different country without me being there. Like, it was so hard. And I think the one thing she shared to me that was, like, really, like, I think made me a little emotional was, like, she she's like, you know, now when I want to have conversations with your grandpa. I think he regrets so much that decision sometimes because he's like, I know how hard it was for you kids to be away from us. But at the same time, like, I, it was a good opportunity. And he has said that, like, based on the, my experience with my own children, when I have friends that have asked me if I should send my kids away to the America without without them being there, I always say no, because I knew how hard it was. So my mom's like, you know, I feel sad. But at the same time, she's like, I, I can't help but feel fortunate for my opportunity because I wouldn't be able to have you and Brandon grow up here and giving you this this place to kind of, like, grow up and, you know, roam free. So that's something she always remembers from her childhood and something I think we've been talking about a lot lately is her experience
2: in Hawaii from like from Taipei. I loved hearing the details of your mom's story, uh, Mel. I I think you've shared on the podcast before how she, you know, kind of immigrated from Taiwan to Hawaii and that she came when she was younger. But I think uh, learning all the specific details of how hard that transition was really like um, like, humanize mm-hmm, that experience mm-hmm. for me instead of just, once again, like I said, when I listened to my parents' story, I just listened to the surface. oh, you came over, you know, Yeah, yeah and you don't same. really understand the, like, what the emotional component was, but what I really liked was you listening to her share her experience with, like, KFC and all the fast food puts into context to you why she probably, that was so prevalent in your childhood. Yeah. Um, so, I love that little, piece of your story i was like ooh, okay those are good things to know like what things am i gonna do for my kids mm-hmm. that they may not think about because like that's my way of giving to them what i didn't have you know
1: yeah yeah for sure i think i think also as kids like you know I always like joke around like i mean i don't know this is like too serious but like a lot of parents put their kids in like you're gonna learn violin and all this stuff because mm. i didn't get to do that yeah, i think it's yeah. funny how in my family it's about food it's like i didn't get to eat this so you're gonna get you're gonna eat what mm. i couldn't eat because food is a big part of my family, and, like, I think reflecting about my childhood, like, my mom, I remember, like, there's so many times she'll, like, come back with Jack in the Box, like, KFC, we had we had fast food nights, and my mom would be, like, where do you want to eat, and I'll make stops to pick up everything for mm-hmm. you and your brother, and we'd be at different places, so I could see how that kind of played into, like, me as a child, you know, um, so I feel like I learned a lot from that story. I asked her other things, too, you know, like, I asked her like what were your favorite games and toys were when she grew up, and my mom was such a I realized she's such a studious person. Was, she was like I didn't play games. I'm like what? Like what did you do for fun? She was like, oh I'm, I sometimes I read comic books from Japan. I, I was like drawing like any of that. So I guess she read comic books from Japan. And then I asked her I was like how's it like growing up with your 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 brothers? Because she's the oldest, and her two younger brothers are one year and three years younger. I think my mom like even seeing her now it makes so much sense she's like oh like yeah we were like she was it was normal like Mm. my mom honestly i think because she was the oldest and live in hawaii she's like i felt like i was a second parent figure to them because Mm. i didn't they didn't have that and it makes sense because like i so i think for her childhood was like her relation was felt like more like i'm the parent and like i if you need help i'm here but i'm gonna just follow the rules and do my own thing but she'll say, like, in high school, like, her and my Uncle Chong are only one year apart. They had the same group of friends, because in their high school, there are a lot of, like, ch- other Chinese expats, and so they would all hang out together in Chinatown and go out to eat. So there's some, like, these little stories I hear, but nothing crazy. Like, when I hear my other uncle talk, he's like, I went to the disco, I snuck into the club, and I was like, damn, Mom, why didn't you do any of that? But she was very more, like, by the book, very, like, simple lady type of, with the way she grew up. Um, so when I asked her, like, When you're a kid, like, what did you want to be when you, when you, what did did you want to be when you grew up? She was like, I wanted to be a teacher. I was like, what? Mm. A teacher? Because I'm like, you got no patience with me with my math formulas (laughs) as a kid. Uh, She said, because when they were younger, they were afraid of teachers. I was like, oh, interesting. She's like, back then, I guess in Taiwan, the teachers were seen as very Mm. powerful figures. And like, she said, you know, some people didn't listen to their parents, but they will listen to their teachers. Like, that was a thing growing up. And I was like, oh, Interesting. Um, I, she also mentioned like she wasn't very exposed to other jobs so maybe the the only exposure she had was education so mm-hmm. being a teacher my mom actually was class president and like she always brags about it in like third grade what? and i was like yeah you're only class president <laughs> something like that and i was like mom you're only class president because you like follow the rules oh. like that's just how she. she's like she's a rule follower my mom totally is mm. and then the last thing i asked her I was like what is something you miss about taiwan and she's like oh i definitely miss the food like She's like, it's a very authentic cuisine. You can't, like, how, how, it's hard to match that taste. So I think food is a very common theme in my family. So she said food. So that's a little bit of background of um, my mom's story and how she grew up. Um, I'd love to hear how, you know, your guys' stories too. Um, Helen, can you share your, like, your childhood story from your parents?
0: Yeah. Oh, I love, I love just hearing your mom because like we know her, we see her, you know, she invites us into her home and cooks for us. And it's just like, it's nice to hear more about who she is behind just like Asian mom that cooks really good. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for sharing that Mel. Oh, love your mama. Um, well, so I mainly asked my mom these questions because my dad was asleep by eight PM, so <laughs> she was like, I'm available, I'm like, okay. Um, but I asked her the question about, you know, what is the story that you always think about from your childhood? And she said her most beloved memory of her childhood was in uh she was raised in Gongzhou, China. And during holidays like Chinese New Year, so Chinese New Year is not just a, a day-long event. It is a 15-day event and during this time they would visit friends and family members and kind of like how you were sharing your mom's like you know the story of where when she was growing up in taiwan where all of her cousins would be around Mm. um so during this time they would visit friends and family members all within the same village and they would gather at different houses each day to celebrate Mm. Um, and she also had a lot of cousins that lived in that neighborhood so at night after dinner, a moment that she remembers was that they would always go to the village rooftop where they'd climb up and lean back on the shingles and because the streetlights back then were very dim and they barely had electricity, all of the stars would like light up the night sky and they'd just be up there looking at the stars and they would just sing the whole time Aww. while their grandmas and grandpas would like bring, bring fruit up to the rooftop for the kids and they were very, very close growing up, mm. very, very close with uh, all of the family members. Um, and she said that you know despite not having much as kids it was a very very happy childhood and then I asked her you know what were your favorite toys or games that you played and she said back then in China she mostly played with like stones and rocks so Mm. no toys she actually sent me this black and white YouTube video which I am fascinated by that it exists because I have no idea who filmed this but it's just kids in old China playing with like stones and sticks and making up games with each other. Mm. And to be honest, having just watched Squid Game, I'm like, yeah. dude, these are totally yeah. the types of games where Squid Game originated from, oh, but yeah. the Chinese version. And it's like black and white and creepy looking. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> this is crazy. But she said that all of the kids loved playing kitchen, mm. kind of like my, like Riley, my, my niece who loves playing kitchen. But instead of Tyke's toys, they'd get sticks and, and wood and pretend to play kitchen kitchen Aww. with each other. Um, and my mom did mention that her grandma lived in Hong Kong, which was a lot better than China back then, Mm -hmm. and one of her grandpa's cousins lived in England, um, and they had cousins in like Hong Kong, Canada, and these cousins would actually pass down super nice clothes to my mom. So they would pass down these shoes that were pointed, All the kids called them pepper shoes, like the vegetable pepper, because it was pointed at the end. So they were pepper shoes, because most of the shoes in China were flat at the top. So my mom felt very fancy with her pepper shoes. And her grandma from Hong Kong would bring back dolls. And her whole street of kids, all the kids in town would run to my mom's place to see and play with her dolls Mm. and look at her shoes. So she felt that she was kind of fancy in the neighborhood. <laughs> um, but while she was also telling me the story, she mentioned that my grandpa actually never met his dad, which I remember, this is one of those stories mm-hmm. that I remember from like the dinner table a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I just wrote it off. It's like, okay, cool. That's weird, but cool. I mean, not cool, but it's, yeah, yeah. it's a story. Right. Um, so I asked her like to dive deeper into that. So my great grandpa left China to go to the U S to build the railroads. And someone had made a false certificate so that my grandpa could go to the U.S., basically what we know now as paper sons, right? Mm-hmm. But the way my mom said it in Hua, which is the native tongue that we speak, was my ji doi, which literally translates to buy pigs or sold as a pig. And I thought that was very interesting because there's a negative connotation to it. And generally it's assumed that, you know, people who want to immigrate from China wanted to go to the U.S. But for some... It's more out of necessity to take that opportunity to care for your family, right? Mm. Because back then in China, what was happening was the government gave out these coupons. And depending on how many people were in your family, each person got a dollar coupon. And these coupons were used to buy meat. They were used to buy clothes, etc. So even if you had money, but you had no coupons, you don't get to buy any meat or clothes to wear. And a dollar coupon a month got you like a pound of meat for a whole month. So... Back then, my family, from what I understood from my mom, they raised chickens, so they had meat, but it wasn't every day. It was only for birthdays, for New Year's, for holidays. Mm. That's when they would do what is called Hong Gai, which means kill a chicken, but it wasn't every day that they had that luxury. Mm. Also, based on what my mom said, that's why the saying goes that Chinese New Year, you buy a new outfit, because that's the only time when they could buy one new outfit each year, so... It was very, very simple living back then. Mm-hmm. And just going back to the story of my great grandparents so, my mom, she actually never met her grandpa. My grandpa also never met his dad. And it turned out that my grandpa's dad, my great-grandpa, he ended up in Fiji, then in England, and he likely passed away in an old person's home. And it's sad to think about. Like, Philip and I just watched Warrior, which depicts the U.S. during this time before the Chinese Exclusion Act, which is when my great-grandpa was also there. And I couldn't help but think that, you know, my great-grandpa was one of those forgotten people that just tried really really hard to make something for their family but Mm. they were never able to bring anyone over from china you know so maybe i have some i don't know maybe i have some asian british cousins out there that i have yet to meet one day
1: is it kind of crazy to like i can only imagine like you're picturing like your is that your great grandpa right
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it's like He's definitely part of history that we. I think it's just weird that in classes or even Asian American Studies classes, if you're lucky to take one, like you learn about all this stuff—the railroads and Chinese exclusion act—but to feel like, but to know that your heritage is actually directly tied to it yeah. is a whole different perspective on it. And then I think it just like it makes you more personally invested in what's going on and what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I just also love the story of like your mom singing on the shingles of the roof. Like I could just picture it. It just seems very like wholesome. And so sweet. Um, and I also think about, like, you have a roof that we could go on.
2: <laughs> Mel wants to recreate your mom's <laughs> memory
0: with you yeah. send it to your there's mom. A, there's a lot more uh, light pollution here now. <laughs> days, but yeah, yeah, we could do that. So, yeah. And then I also asked her the question about just, like, what does she want to be when she grew mm. up? And I asked uh, my dad that question this morning, too. Mm-hmm. And both of them, they basically just said, like, back then, you didn't have the dreams that you do nowadays like back then no one thought about this question Mm -hmm. and actually yeah my mom and dad both agreed because the government would tell them what they would become basically a lot of it was dictated by relationships who they knew there's definitely a power component to who made it in china back then and maybe even nowadays i don't know but the government basically assigned them their jobs so really no dreams to become like a doctor lawyer podcaster or anything like that as a kid Um, But they both graduated high school at 16 and they went straight to working in a factory and never thought about what it is that they wanted to become. Another question that I asked them was, what is something that you miss about China? Mm. And my mom, she said she misses that people were so innocent and so friendly and so honest back then, like Mm. they didn't have to lock their doors or be afraid. Mm. And nowadays, you know, you have to. Like, she said, China's probably just as bad as it feels like in the U.S. now. Mm. But she misses the innocence of what used to be for her childhood. And then when I asked my dad the same question, I'll play the message. It's a short one. <laughs> so, yeah, my dad doesn't miss anything from China. Oh.
2: <laughs> I feel like that was a that I remember asking some maybe my grandparents that question i that was a familiar response i remember when we were little mm. it was like nothing what is there to miss you know um so it yeah. a very kind of male uh response that i got as well <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and I, I wonder if it's also just because it's like i don't know if it's like so far removed from where they are now oh, that memory just, wise yeah memory mm. wise it's just like who cares? like it's almost like a who cares we're here now mm. be happy with like what we have mm. now Kind of a thing, which I think my dad probably, that's probably just his way, his way of thinking. Um, And maybe for,
2: yeah, for your family too.
0: So that was my, that was my little Uh, family story. That was their little childhood story.
2: Well, I, I liked what I find interesting about your story, Helen, is like, I think for, I don't know about Mel, but for myself, um, most of my family's generation, like my parents were the first to come over to the U.S. Right. Mm -hmm. And then my grandparents came after they did, but we're pretty sure that before that, I don't know too many other people that came over and so i think it's interesting like in one of the previous episodes you had said that someone in your family actually like came to the u.s to work on like the railroads and stuff and then the fact that you had family that you know came in were in england and fiji and all this stuff like I wonder if we tried to trace your family tree, like how trippy it would be, like how how mm-hmm. widespread and like all the different types of people that would have been here much earlier, mm-hmm. and are integrated, you know, into into the U.S. and were here a lot earlier than our kind of generation. So I thought that was cool about your story.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I would. I've always thought about doing like the ancestry.com thing, but I was like, there's no way they can trace yeah. my
1: family back. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've been thinking about
0: this, too. My brother and I were like, should we do that? And I was like, yeah. I mean, what's even crazy is that my last name has already changed. Like, mm. my last name is supposed to be Ng, N-G, right? But that's the that N-G is the Cantonese version of Wu, which is a Mandarin uh. version of M M-M in Chinese, which is written out kind of like the number five. So when someone heard... They were like, oh, "Oh, okay, we think you're Mandarin speaking, so we're going to give you the last name Wu, but my grandpa's last name is Ng. So I'm like, that's Mm. it already, like, got fucked up. (laughs) How the hell are you going to trace it all the way back to, like, great grandparent days? But. I don't know, maybe they've figured that out somehow.
2: I also remember just, like, asking my parents so many times when I was younger, like, do we have any other family here? Anyone that's been here before? Because I wanted to be able to relate to the things that I saw in terms of Chinese history, right? Anything that we would learn in school, even though it was very minimal, but, like, anything I saw on TV or the History Channel. And they were like, no. I was like, damn, I can't can't connect with any of this stuff. So it's cool that I feel like um, that you had, like, family... That now you can trace back with some of the things that have been presented in the media, and kind of piece together mm. family stories with with stories you've learned here, mm-hmm. and see a connection. Because I always felt such a strong disconnect with any type of like Chinese history in the U.S. Because I just mm. didn't have family here. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Well, Jay, I'm curious to hear about your parents' childhood stories.
2: Yeah, so I really actually loved preparing for this episode because I had, just because of scheduling-wise, I actually had different conversations with my mom and dad one-on-one. And it definitely, like... They were all facts about them that I knew, but because I had the time and I I think I was in the mindset now of really, really listening and then asking Mm follow-up questions, I got to the deeper heart of certain aspects about them. So I'm going to share the conversation I had with my dad, and it actually turned, it was like an hour-long conversation on the phone that we had last night. Um, But to give some background, my dad is the oldest of three children. Uh, Underneath him is my uncle, and then my him and my uncle are pretty close in age, like only two and a half years. And then my aunt is like 10 years younger. So she was like the baby of the family Mm. and the girl and was like, you know, treated like a princess with my grandfather. Whereas my dad and my uncle were closer to my grandmother. So they were kind of like mama boys and she was like the daddy's girl. Um, And my grandmother was also a teacher. Um, So Mel, like you said, in Taiwan, teachers had like, uh, I think it was – there was like a lot of respect for them. Mm -hmm. And so my father being the eldest child of a teacher, I think had a lot of pressure put on him, but also was kind of like treated like a big shot, right? And he um, was always like generally like one of the top of his class. And um, you know, in the neighborhood kids, like maybe was on the older side. I have memories of my dad being a very strong like leader type when I was younger. And I, and I noticeably remember there was a time when he passed the age of maybe like 50 that he kind of has softened a bit. Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting to kind of go back even further and, and get his like his personality as, as a kid. But the story that he shared with me um, was one around his like a school event. So in elementary school, uh, he was selected by one of his teachers to make a speech on behalf of his whole class at a speech competition. And um, so my dad, I knew when he was younger that he like was in speech and debate and like did this a lot but he told me he was actually incredibly nervous and as a kid he was a very obedient student because once again son of a teacher like one of the mm-hmm. the lead teachers in the school so he's like I couldn't say no I couldn't turn down the like I was like I felt like I had to go to this competition but he was so so nervous so nervous all leading up to the competition and he said before getting on stage one of the teachers there maybe they noticed that he was like super super like anxious, um, you know, gave him some tips before he walked on. She said, just take it easy before you go on stage. Take a deep breath. And then when you get on stage, look at the audience and think to yourself that every person in this crowd is, and the Chinese word for this is sagwa, which it kind of means oh. like nonsensical person, or like, it's, it sounds like kind of degrading, like stupid, but I think really what it is saying is like, don't be afraid of not being understood or being made fun of, because these people are not gonna be judging you, right? And then, and she was like basically, make sure you smile, look around at the audience, you know, smile and like eye, eye contact, engage, take another deep breath, and then start your speech. So he kind of took, and I think what she was coaching him on was basically stage presence. Like don't focus so much on memorizing the the speech that you're saying. Because I think most people, when they get up there, they get nervous that they're going to forget. So it's like if you imagine the crowd are people who don't understand you and they don't need to understand you, you're not going to like make nonsense, then don't think about that. And then get up there and smile, you know, like engage and have fun. And so he used her, like from that, he has that memory of like before getting on stage, getting that tip. And then so he's like, I did exactly what she told me. And I ended up winning the competition. (laughs) And then because of that, he was like sent off to these other competitions. And he's like, I always use that approach. And I think back to like that, that teacher and that tip is like what really helped me kind of um, push through the nerves uh, of doing that. Um, And so I thought about that because I was like, yeah, we have speaking like events. Like I'm going to try to use that technique now, like take a deep (laughs) breath and, uh, you know, like have focus on your stage presence and don't think so much about forgetting the words. Um, and I also asked him what was um, a, a favorite toy or game that he had growing up. And similarly, uh, uh, Helen, to, to your mom, he said, you know, we didn't have a lot of toys growing up. And most of, most of his, like, the time that he spent was playing around with the neighborhood kids. And mm-hmm. they would play games like baseball or, you know, just kind of like like team, team games. Um, but his favorite game that he would play uh, is called, in Mandarin, they call it qi ma da zhang. And it means ride horse into battle. So I guess my dad growing up was really into like Western war movies. And so in a lot of these movies, you have like these like soldiers riding riding horses and battling with their swords and stuff like that. So in this game, you would have like two groups of people or you in this game, you would have a group of boys and then you would divide them into two sides. And then on each side, the oldest boy would have the opportunity to assign each person on the team to either be a horse or a member of the military. And then if you're a member of the military, you also were assigned, are you a general, are you a soldier, different hmm. rankings, right? And then then each side would assemble. So anyone who is a military person has to get on the back of a soldier. <laughs> so imagine these boys like piggybacking each other on opposite sides of the like the schoolyard and then they would start, and they would run towards each other, and then it was like a physical fight. And the and the goal was to like try to push the other team over uh. and to get everyone knocked down. So I was like, "Oh, okay, this is like a very physical game." And I was asking, like, "Are there any strategies, right?" And he see he said, "Yeah, basically as an offense," um, or he said, "Or not offense." He said, "Basically on the other side, you're you should try to push over their horse because you knock down the horse, then you get the soldier too, right?" Um, and then also you, after you go for the horses, then you also try to go for the general because it's like the leader of the group or whatever. Um, and then also as a as a person assigning the group, you want your strategy should be to have the strongest men as the horses because then they're the hardest mm. to like push over. Um, and then I asked him what his favorite role was and he said oh you know like I, I was in all different types of roles um, but yeah like being the general is nice so I've obviously that's like a position that people want to be in yeah um, so I thought that was an interesting game that that they played but I could don't I could totally see my dad doing that um, and then and then I asked him the question of like uh, what did you want to be when you grow up right and uh, I think very I got a similar reaction to Helen's mom which was just like I don't, like, he's like, oh, I never thought of that. Like, that was not a thing that we thought about, right? Mm. But instead, he kind of shared with me maybe at each stage in his childhood what was his mindset and, like, what did he strive towards, right? So when he was a child, um, he, I think maybe being the son of, like, a teacher, was very obedient, and he said he always wanted to just be a good Chinese boy. Like, I wanted to be Mm. recognized by my parents and by my teachers. So kind of like your mom, Mel, like a rule follower. He was... Very much focused on school and and getting the respect of the seniors. Um, But then when he went into high school, um, he said he started to kind of like rebel. And maybe some of this was influenced by some of the older guy friends that he had. Um, And maybe his focus more kind of like any, you know, like high school kid, you start to look more towards your your peers for recognition. If all the cool kids are rebelling and they're like smoking and they go out to play snooker, Um, and I guess at the time I snooker is like a, it's like a pool, a pool hall game. And he said, you know, Taiwan and and where he grew up, it was very conservative. So like, you're not supposed to go like going to dance parties. If you, if you went to dance parties, that was like a really bad reputation. So he's like, yeah, like I went to dance parties (laughs) because he loves to dance. I was Um, like, okay, I didn't know. Like, you know, nowadays that would not be so taboo. But I guess back then that was like, you had, it was like a known to be like kind of like a, not uh, kind of a risque thing to do um and he also he's like yeah I would when I get into college like I just like never went to class and you know so he I think he was just grew up and was like a very obedient rule following kind of child you know children of teachers and stuff and then going into high school and college really rebelled um and he you know I kind of asked him about like because like how did you pass in your exams and stuff right he's like oh you know like a lot of this the school like I would just like study for a few weeks before or for a little bit before and then I, I would take the exams. But there was one exam that he does remember that was more challenging and that's the one that you have to test into to to mm. get into the States. So my my parents came over, they went to college in Taiwan, but then they had to take tests and exams as a part of the college program, I guess, to be sent on Um, a program to the states and so he he spent like six months studying for that and it was also while he was in the Taiwanese army so I think he had my dad Mm. had to train there as a part of the ROTC program Um, and then he studied some some stuff in like electrical engineering and then and then ended up coming here and the last question I asked him was what do you miss about Taiwan and he said oh you know I have just a lot of the memories and I think kind of like we talked about because our parents are older now and especially my dad is like in his 70s he has a hard time remembering back then to so long ago right mm-hmm. um and so he says every time when he would visit taiwan in the last like 20 30 years he always goes back to his old homes the places that they lived his his elementary school is high school and just had to kind of like reminisce and to try to like bring back some of those memories so I was like, oh, that's, you know, like, um, I could see that because we, we went with our families to Taiwan and my, my dad took me to those places. So that's the answer he gave me. But his initial answer, which I, which I thought is probably a more reflection of, he's like, oh, I miss the food. <laughs> that was, And I was like, what, what about the food? And he said, you know, the night market food, definitely the stinky tofu and the xiaolongbao. Um, but yeah, so that was, it's the food and And then, also, I think the the memories uh, that you know, they try to recall that might be really hard now, because, yeah, in their lifetime, mm-hmm. they've now been in so many different places and so much has happened. It probably does feel like a different lifetime ago.
1: Thanks for sharing, Jay. I feel like you painted such a vivid picture of like, just how your dad was as like a kid. And i, I was I was I had a oh my gosh moment because you were talking about, like, your dad was really good in speech and debate, and he was really like dancing. I'm like, huh, I'm seeing some correlation here. Right here. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it's funny because you always, you know, when we ask you who you're more similar, like you always said, I'm more like my dad. But these are like yes. little things like him growing up. I'm like, oh, but this is mm-hmm. really like your dad, though, Jay, you know? Um, and I love the game of the the, the, the ho- going on the horse. It sounds like a physical yeah. game of chess in some weird way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we should probably do a night of our own version of Squid Game, but, you know, not as intense, like yeah. our parents' <laughs> childhood games. games. Um, but I love, I love the stories of your dad. That was awesome.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely, um, I feel like I learned a lot more about my dad through having that conversation with him, um, to kind of review his childhood memories. Um, but we also, you know, we talked about, um, his relationship with my mom. I think that's something that we as kids sometimes think about is wanting to know how our parents met and what, what it was like before they were mom and dad, right? Like, mm-hmm. what were they like together? Um, so we had some questions that we asked about their relationships. Uh, and Helen, I'm curious, what did your mom say about your about their relationship? Yeah,
0: so um, they've definitely told me stories about this before, and I did not listen. But now I decided to take the time to listen. So one of the questions that I asked uh, my mom was, you know, how did you two meet and fall in love? So my parents, they both worked as machine operators right after they finished high school at 16. So they met at a factory. I did not know that. But... I asked my mom, you know, what was the first moment where she knew that he was the one? And she was like, there was none. (laughs) Okay. But um, she said that her station was right next to his. And he would always sit at her break bench and talk to her supervisor. And he would always just be like lingering around. I was like, dad, what is this lingering situation? But my dad's parents they ended up moving to Hong Kong. And because that was considered a big accomplishment, Mm. people would normally come back and hold a big dinner. So my dad asked my mom's supervisor to this dinner and the supervisor for some reason invited my mom as well. Turns out my dad asked him Mm. to ask my mom to the dinner, right? So at the dinner, they all took photos. And when my dad showed it to his neighbors, everyone was like, wow, that girl is so beautiful. Who is she? And my dad agreed. (laughs) So my dad actually lived in a different town. He would live Mm -hmm. in the bunkers in the factory because his town was so far away. But the factory was in my mom's hometown. So she would go home after and my dad would discreetly... The thing is with their relationship, there's no no, like cutesy romantic moments. It sounded like he kind of just would happen to bike her home or walk her home. And he would go over to my mom's house, to just watch TV and not say anything. Apparently, he would just sit there and watch TV. And I was like, wait, really? (laughs) That's it? That's how you courted her? But it was only when my my ngeyi, which is my second aunt, my mom's younger sister, When my ngeyi would come home is when he would have the guts to buy tickets to watch a movie, but he'd buy three tickets for all three of them because he was too shy to ask just my mom out on a date. So this whole time, they never like DTR'd, never said, Mm. you know, their boyfriend-girlfriend status. And it wasn't until he was going to go to the U.S. that they agreed to be boyfriend-girlfriend. And he promised that he would come back to marry her. So it took him 10 months to come back. But during this time of being apart, my mom said that sometimes the US can turn people bad, and it was very a very difficult waiting period because they were only able to communicate with letters once a week, and she didn't know if he would come back for her, to the point where she actually got a Canadian passport from one of her uncles in Canada, and she was ready to go to Canada instead. So my dad did come back after the 10 months, and they got married, and <laughs> Which is like just wild because I'm like, wait, did you date? Did you what? What? was <laughs> like just sitting there watching TV, and that was considered your dating period. But another story that my mom shared was that back then only old people would come back to get a wife. Very few times there would be two young people that would be together. So when my grandpa went oh. to the city hall to get marriage certificate, they the people there were very surprised that my dad was so young, and they'd be like, "Wow, quite, quite, quite." Uh, okay, I forgot the word for young, but <laughs> quite. young so because they always expected old men to come back to marry young girls people who came back from the u.s so after they got married my dad went back to the u.s alone and it took a whole year to get the papers ready and my mom waited in china for another year before she got on a plane all by herself to make it out to the u.s to be with my dad Um, and she has shared many times how, I think similar to your mom, Mel, it was just like a very difficult period of time because her parents were home and she was just like by herself with this Mm -hmm. new husband that she is just getting Mm. romantic with and living with his family. And I think she also felt Mm. a lot of things with like aunts and uncles and things like that too, when she was Mm. the new girl there, you know? Um, but a very difficult period of time, and it's just, its I'm just like, how did, what did you do here for that year, dad, you know, or that seven months that you were in the U.S., and I mean, he was just trying to find jobs and and get by, so that was
2: their romantic, unromantic story of how they got together. It's so interesting the way your dad courted your mom, because I feel like maybe in that context, or in that cult, in that cultural moment, it was more about, like, being there for her right like Hmm. protecting her walking her home and then being present like I mean, if you think, like, love languages, like, quality time, like, Mm. sitting and watching TV, like, just kind of making yourself there to be a protector and to be, like, a caretaker. Mm. Yeah. Kind of, like, just proving yourself through action, right? Versus, like, flirting or gifts or things like that. Yeah. I I
1: was laughing because when she said, like, yeah, my dad would just sit on the couch and not talk. I was like, oh, so they definitely didn't Netflix and chill at all. Like, (laughs) it was very, (laughs)
0: very innocent, like, So innocent. Yeah. I was very surprised because if you see the photos of my dad back then, he's, like, he like was a chain smoker since he was thirteen. Had this like creepy mustache going on. I was like, Dad, you're like a a play a play, aren't you? <laughs> like no, he's just like, like shy little dude. Like. But I did ask them, you know, did they have any boyfriends or girlfriends before each other? And I asked my mom this, and she was like, oh, definitely not your dad. (laughs) I was like, ouch, okay. But apparently my mom did not have any official boyfriends either. She did have boys chase her, though. So back then, there was this Hong Kong boy that always sent her these storybooks. So China storybooks were always about, like, Mao Zedong and the government stuff, and there were no action comics, and she mentioned, like, no Jet Li-type books. So this Mm -hmm. Hong Kong boy would always send her those types of books and my dad was always very nervous about him but there were also two boys from work that would always go to her home and also hang out at her home kind of like what my dad did but these (laughs) so one of the boys was the son of the governor and he would just sit there not say anything and my mom said that she was so afraid of him that she would just leave the room and he would just continue to do that i don't i don't understand the complete dynamic of any of this, but then there was another guy that was very shy and he would always just come to her door and bring her a book and they would just borrow books from each other. Oh um, but it was, <laughs> I know it's, it's like cute, but like, come on, do more than that. Um, but it was only my dad that was brave enough to like really sit there and watch TV <laughs> in silence. So, so, um, I guess that's what, what made it work for him and not for the other guys. Um, but it's funny because my mom's like, oh, yeah, we are all part of a WeChat group, and those other two guys are still part of that, like, larger, you know, oh my hometown yeah. group Yeah. And- they're all friends and stuff like that now, or at least like she listens to them all the time. And there was one time when my mom was over and she was listening to the WeChat and I'm just like, mom, why don't you talk? Like she just listens and she doesn't talk. And I was like, can I just jump on and be like, hello, I'm a Ping's, a Ping's daughter. I just want to say hi. And she's like, no, you can't talk in there. There's so many people in this WeChat group. I just listen. Anyway.
2: <laughs> That's so cute. I, I love that you're, that they still have this group of friends because I can definitely see, I know like for my parents, a lot of their friends are still in Taiwan and it's hard to like keep that, that mm-hmm. you know, that, um, yeah. But you should totally sneak on there and uh, figure out who these other two dudes were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I
0: know. But the last thing I asked her, I said, what is something you remember from your relationship in your twenties with something like fun, romantic? Um, and they basically said like they could never live together, even if they weren't married, even the, the thought of that was just unfathomable. So even if they went anywhere, if they sat on a bench by the river, people would start talking about oh. them dating. And basically it's almost like you couldn't date before marriage, right? Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, They would romantically sneak off into the shadows of the trees by the river to talk to each other. And then go home and that was it it's not like us nowadays where we take vacations together and trips together stay over each other's places to get to know each other it was very 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 innocent um and when i asked my mom like what about in your 20s which is basically when she already had me and my sister she said one mother's day like dad bought me flowers and that was like the most romantic thing that he'd ever done and i was like oh i guess that's, you know that's kind of sweet but um, that was the one thing that she, she couldn't mention to me. And when I asked my dad, he mentioned the whole like sneaking off into the shadows of the trees to talk was probably the most romantic thing that happened between them. Um, oh, But so
2: innocent. That, that is so, so freaking sweet. It's interesting to me then, how do you evaluate a partner? Because your mom, so there's these other people that she's considering, and there's something about your father being, is it, was it, like you said, bravery of sitting there and watching the TV (laughs) to stick around, or? It was his mustache that got her. Yeah, it was his (laughs) mustache.
0: I guess, I mean, I asked her that, too, and I was just like, you know, what what was it about him? And I think back then, it was just, it was just, like, so simple. Yeah, maybe it it is just the bravery of sitting there, and I was like, did he really just sit there in silence? And he's like, no, of course, they, like, talked a little bit, but it wasn't, like, how you kids do these days, where you have to, like where you had to like fully evaluate someone by having these lengthy conversations with them. It was just like, you know, good family, Mm. good guy, you know, good potential future husband. Like that was mostly it. Very simple. And it's crazy that like they are so in such a good relationship now. Mm -hmm. When I see them, I'm just like, that's the foundation (laughs) that this is built off of. But it's also very sweet and innocent. And I think above all, very simple. Mm. So... Yeah, I see that in them now where they are very happy with living just the simple lives that they both live.
2: Ah, that's beautiful. I like that.
1: I'm always looking for ways to be inspired creatively. From social media posts, media decks, to even figuring out visually how to lay out our next line of merch, I just wanna challenge myself in creating eye-catching content. Make your online presence and your business stand out from the rest with issue. It's the easiest way to make your creative ideas come to life and share everywhere you wanna be seen. Issue is an all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital publications from brochures to magazines and more. It's perfect for creators, marketers, designers, educators, and anyone who wants to make content that stands out. Issue makes content better and works seamlessly with tools you already use, like Canva, Dropbox, and InDesign. Get started with Issue today for free, or if you sign up for a premium account, you'll get 50% off when you go to issue.com slash podcast and use promo code ABG. That's I-S-S-U-U dot slash podcast and use promo code ABG at checkout for your free account or 50% off your account that's issue.com slash podcast with promo code
2: a b g as you all know both physical and mental wellness are extremely important to me and deep sleep is key to achieving a healthy balance of both that's why we've partnered with luna luna blankets are made of 100% lyocell bamboo and are machine washable the evenly distributed weight releases serotonin the happy hormone, increases melatonin, the sleep hormone, and reduces cortisol, the stress hormone. An eye mask to block out extra light and Luna's weighted blanket are now my favorite sleep necessities. Shop weighted duvet styles for your bed or choose a cozy weighted Sherpa throw for your couch. The blankets are hypoallergenic and breathable, but most importantly, incredibly affordable. It's the perfect holiday gift for family members who can't seem to rest. Sleep smarter and wake up feeling better. Go to lunablanket.com and take 10% off with coupon code ABG. That's lunablanket.com and take 10% off with coupon code A-B-G.
0: Yeah, well, I'm curious to hear about um, your dad, Jay. Like, he sounds like he was a dancing machine. He was (laughs) a good speaker. Sounds like he could have been a good, like, woo man. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> like a wooing man, wooing man. <laughs> yeah I actually asked him if he um like dated when he was in Taiwan he's he honestly did it. he's like I went on a couple of dates with girls but only we'd only go on like two or three dates and then it would never um turn into anything more so he actually only had one girlfriend before my mom um which I'll get into more but first I wanted to ask him like how did from his perspective because I've heard the story on the top level from both of them um, but like, how did you and mom meet? And then how did you start dating and falling in love? And he said, well, um, you know, my dad and my, and my uncle used to play mahjong with one of these, uh, friends when they were in LA. And, uh, this is when they were in there. I think my dad was either in his late twenties or early thirties. And so one day they went to their friend's house and, um, to play mahjong and the, the friend like was kind of hosting a house party. So he invited a couple of other people. And in walks um, my mom with a couple of her friends. So my mom actually was invited, I guess, through her friends. So my dad and my mom were both there at like friends of friends' homes or whatever, Mm -hmm, or at this mm -hmm. house that was like, they were both friends of friends. And he said, he saw her walk in and his first impression was like, wow, she's really pretty. But they didn't talk very much during the party at all. He's like, you know, we're playing, you know, mahjong and there's like stuff going on. So we didn't really talk. And... Uh, I was like, okay, so then how did you, like, connect with her? He's like, well, at the end, I gave her my business card. I was like, that's how you flirted? (laughs) He's like, I gave her my business card, and I said, if you ever need any help, just give me a call. I was like, that's how you flirted? So, um, And then apparently my mom did give him a call, but a month later – so, I was like, "Oh, did you not like contact and ask about her in that month?" He's like, "No, I don't know. Like she was there with friends and I was there with friends. Like I had no way of getting to her." When she called, he's like, "Oh, I was so happy and, you know, it was like really excited." And then and then when I asked like, "How did how was the dating and like what when was the moment that you kind of like knew she was the one?" Right? Um, and he said, "Well, your mom was like really tender and she was really humble." And I guess I don't know if this is lost in translation because he said like I don't know if it's like flirtatious or like she was like a sweet talker, <laughs> but, but I, supposedly something with their communication, like uh, there was a connection. Uh, but also for very practical reasons, he said, you know, we have our similar background. Our, our parents were both from Taiwan, but also like before that in northern China. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shared a lot of the same values, you know, to to be a good person, to be considerate, to be considerate of others. Um, and often to kind of put others before yourself. Um, so it was kind mm. of the combination, I think, of the chemistry that they had and his attraction towards her and then kind of the value system, which I was interested because I was like, oh, yeah, like those are kind of the markers that I'm. Using as I'm like thinking about dating in modern days, right? Like to find my partner, um, but yeah. And then I asked him the question about, did you have any girlfriends before, mom? And he had a couple dates in, when he was in Taiwan, but only ever one girlfriend. And he's like, and when he referred to it, he's like, oh, it was very like puppy love, like early, early. Mm. We didn't really know anything, right? But they did it. It was his first girlfriend, and they dated for about three to four years. Um, and she actually did come to the States a little bit later after he did. And they did keep in contact when they were in the States, but they lived in different States. So they would like write letters a little bit, but then it it didn't really last. Um, so yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting when we think about nowadays in dating, it's like, you know, people evaluate you on wanting to be in multiple kind of like relationships to really have the experience, but for our parents' time, you know, maybe it was, you didn't have, you had only one other significant relationship or maybe mm-hmm. none, none before that, right? Um, and then I asked him, what is something that you remembered about your, the early parts of your relationship with mom? Um, and at this time when they got together, my mom was in her like mid, late 20s. He was in his late 20s, early 30s. And going back to the dancing, I guess, <laughs> I guess both of my parents really liked to dance. So in their early dating stages, they would go out to clubs together on the weekends. um, And sometimes they would dance with friends. Sometimes it was just the two of them. Uh, And I was like, oh, so like what kind of dancing did you guys do? And my dad's like, oh, the twist. And I was like, (laughs) because even I remember now, like at my cousin's wedding, he still does the twist. I'm like, dad, that's like not the dance move anymore. (laughs) That's so cute. I guess it's, I don't know if it's like the 70s or the 80s, but it was the twist. And then he said also the jitterbug. He was he was oh, pretty wow. good at the jitterbug, um, but oh my yeah. God, so I was so like, cute. so that's that is kind of their their story of uh, of their romantic relationship, I guess. <laughs> but how about you, Mel? How, what was uh, what did your mom describe her relationships or how you how your parents came to be?
1: Yeah, first off, I want to say it's really cute how. Uh, there's, like, there's, like, very, I sense it's like, very common thing that's, like, nonchalant kind of approach to, you know, <laughs> approaching, you know, your dad, Helen's dad with her mom, and then even your dad with your mom, so I think it's really cute, and I could just picture this scene, because, you know, you have showed us photos of your mom back in the day, and your mom was, like, a vixen, like, <laughs> like, I could picture her walking in this, this house, and, like, they're playing on this, like, moment of, like, oh, wow, who's that, and she walks in, so I could <laughs> kind of picture that scene, um, but thank you so much for sharing how your parents met. Um, when I asked my mom, and you guys know me, I'm very, like, a little bit fantastical. I'm very, like, I'm, like, I love love. Um, and so I wanted this, like, elaborate story from her. And it wasn't that. And I was like, what? Uh, and I was kind of like, oh. And it, it was definitely more, much more simpler, simple for her. And I think maybe in my own head, too, I was thinking, like, oh, you grew up in Hawaii. There has to be some, like, someone drive you around the island and, like, you know, like, very, like, I don't know, something more... Fun, but no. So she, <laughs> I asked her, how does she meet my stepdad? And you know, the context is, you know, my mom and my dad did divorce, and so I think when she was, I don't know, if she was looking to get remarried. But I think she said, you know, when you date someone, the next person you want to be with kind of is the opposite of the person you're with before. So mm. I think that's what she kind of had in mind. So she met my stepdad do through her friend, who I remember her name is Auntie Vivian. And they used to work together at the bank. And at the time, my Aunt Vivian had an ex-boyfriend who worked at the same computer engineering company as my stepdad. And she was like, oh, I know someone for you. He uh, is also Taiwanese. Um, and, yeah, you should meet him. So it was like I was like, I was like that's, that's all she gave you? Like, he's from Taiwan? Like, anything else? Um, but they hopped on a few calls. And, like, that's that was their dating. It was, like, going on calls and maybe some dinner. Because I don't re- I don't remember. Like, even as a kid, like, I'm, like, I would remember, like, do you have any memories of my mom leaving the house to grab dinner? Like, not really. So I think she just had a lot of conversations with him. And she said, like, what really, like, striked me was that we did – the strong connection to Taiwan was very prevalent for me. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I think at the time, my stepdad actually was debating of moving back to Taiwan, maybe because he wasn't finding anyone here and his mom encouraged him to move back. and But then he met my mom. And I think my mom also liked him because he is someone that my, my grandparents really liked. And she's mm-hmm. like, I really wanted someone my parents would like. And I'm just like, there you go, following the rules again. So I think she really values her parents' approval. And I think it's really – now when I'm looking at my mom, it's just a common theme I'm seeing in everything she does. From a, she's a very obedient daughter, uh, very like follow the rules, or we'll do whatever they – she's like, I'm the type who will do whatever they ask of me. And I was like, oh, I could totally see that. Um, so I think he, she found someone that they liked and my mom said, I met him in April and he moved in the house in November. I was like, what the hell? Like, wow. I was like, damn, you moved hella fast. Like what the heck? Yeah. And just, just to give you context, like my stepdad is like the opposite of my dad, like very different. Like he's more, my dad, my my dad was like extroverted. My dad's more introverted and more like into him, like more quiet. Very, very simple, simple man. Um, so I think that's why maybe she really wanted that contrast and and it works really well for her. Um, I was surprised because like I was like, Mom, did he like buy you flowers or any of that? She's like, No, I don't like flowers too, you know, waste of money. I was like, Oh my god, like so Asian mom <laughs> right here. So like nothing really romantic really happened. I think she just really wanted the core thing. She's like, I love the fact that he had a connection to Taiwanese culture like I did. And my parents liked him and we got along very well. And I was like, That's it? So it just feels like she's like yeah she's like you know we're not like how you guys are now this generation like i just wanted the basics i wanted the the values to be similar i was like okay oh okay sounds you know sounds about right um i asked her if you know does she have any boyfriends before or like if my my stepdad had anyone my mom's like the only person i had before was like your dad in college and then I liked one person in middle school but I don't consider that love I was like yeah I don't consider that love either um so she really didn't have anyone I think my mom was just like a, she felt like a simple girl that to be honest like I hope I'm not like my mom will get offended but I don't think a lot of guys chased her she wasn't very aware she seems very like into her studies and into mm. the rules I, I don't think she'd be aware of the social kind of like culture yeah, I guess yeah. of it and then my stepdad had one girlfriend he was actually in the Taiwanese military so he had one when he was in the military but that was about it um, so I was like I'll be honest I'll like, try to pull for these like romantic situations like about like do you guys go to the movies like whatever she's like no I was like alright All right. okay then <laughs> the, the part of me is like why are you always asking about my dates then like if, if you don't have romantic situations like why do you expect that from me um, but the last thing I did ask her is what is something that you remember in your, from your relationship in your 20s and you think about often and, my, and her answer to be honest wasn't as fluffy as positive as you know, maybe some of your guys' answers. I think it's because my mom did go through like she met my dad and she went through a divorce. And I think I asked her, like, what about that from what about your previous relationship that you want me to remember as your daughter moving mm-hmm. forth with my relationships? And she said, I think about a lot about how with your dad, your dad had really bad a really bad temper. And I think that again, that's the complete opposite of my stepdad. He is like patient. Beyond, Like, I, I've i never seen him angry, maybe road rage a little bit, but, like, with us and the kids and, like, everyone in our family, he's, like, so level-headed. And she's, like, your dad has such a bad temper, and I wouldn't want that for you. She was, like, I remember when you were a child. Like, your dad, we would get in arguments, and, like, there's a point where he, he's the type of person that would throw stuff when he got angry. She's, like, mm-hmm. I don't want my child to be around that. I don't want you to ever have to deal with that. And so mm-hmm. I see now why she is so happy in this current relationship because my dad is not my stepdad isn't like that and I think what makes me wonder too it's like Helen you also said like you know your parents are so in love now and like they just seem like very happy with the simple life even though they didn't like you just sat on the couch and like they don't really talk as much it was really (laughs) romantic and very simple Mm -hmm. but I look at my parents I think they're also you know very much in love like they always hold hands like she calls they call each other honey and like things like that so i'm just like it's crazy how something so simple can really blossom into a really like lasting long hmm. like like a relationship so yeah i think we're definitely in different times uh than we than they were um so that
0: was how my mom's story and her romantic relationships wow no she's it's funny because i'm like i think she's trying to live vicariously through you now as her child because you know how we were saying janet is very similar to her dad i'm like mel you're like the complete opposite of your mom i know in in so many ways but also very similar in the maternal caring way but Mm. different in more of like your extrovertedness and your dating styles and your boy craziness like very very different in that way
1: yeah i i think it's funny because like i always thought she's more extroverted now as a mom and i she gets along with my friends and stuff um but when i hear about our child i'm just like dude we we're so different and i'm like i think that's why also like me doing abg or going to creative is like we there is a level of contention because i'm just like wow mm. i didn't go by the books but well, you're so by the books right
2: that like right. like mm.
1: Sorry, your t- your child is very different from you, but uh, yeah, it puts it in context a lot about like why our parents are the way they are now.
0: Right, right. But I love that your mom supports you and us and ABG like no matter what. She's always around. She's always so supportive, even if her lifestyle is very different from what it is that you know the lifestyle that you're choosing to live. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. props to your mom. Oh, yeah. she's 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 amazing. And yeah, doesn't it make you ladies think also about just like dating and simpler times and how here are, you know, three examples of things that worked out. And it was much simpler back then compared to decision paralysis that we have now with yeah. so many options available to us at our fingertips and how it's just like so difficult to find someone because we get tied up in, in, you know, every nuance of
2: the person that we're dating. For sure. Yeah. I guess more information is not always better. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I think my parents, even though they're, they had a period of dating they only dated for, like, three months before they got engaged. And I was like, oh, my God, are you serious? And my mom said, during that time, if you dated for more than, like, two years, it was considered, like, and you're not married yet? Like, that's, like, too long, right? Because, like, yeah, so, like, the timelines are just so short. Like, nowadays, we have, you know, we need to date for years. And maybe because we start dating earlier, I don't know what it is Mm -hmm. or we have more partners. But for them at that time, you didn't date too many people. And when you dated, it was, like, pretty fast compared Mm -hmm. to our timelines. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: To wrap up this episode, I think all three of us asked our parents, you know, what is one thing that you want us to remember from your past that we can pass down to our children?
2: Yeah. So my dad, um, this kind of goes back to, I think when he was a child, he said, I always wanted to be a good, like, like, good person or a, he said a good Chinese boy but I think in interpretation mm-hmm. what he meant was he wants to relate to me to be a good person and what that means is to try to love yourself to love your family and to love the people around you to be a good citizen a good team player respect others respect other cultures and be open-minded so I kind of had to probe because I was like what do you mean to be a good person <laughs> yeah, yeah but um, but yeah and I I love all those uh those values as well so that's definitely. Those are things I definitely want to pass down to my children. Hmm. Yeah. So you're already a good example of that, too. Oh, <laughs> <Aww>, thank you. <laughs> How about you, Mel? My mom says she wants me
1: and for me to tell my kids to appreciate the life you get or you have here. She's like, coming here as an immigrant, it definitely felt like a cultural shock for me. So it wasn't as easy as you and your brother have it. So make sure your kids know that. She's like, I really want to make sure you have a close family relationship with your whole family. Um, I think earlier, she grew up always gone with her extended family. I think her, our extended family, what, like, they were her friends. She wants me to pass it down with my generation and my kids. And so for me, that's spending more time with just not just my mom and my dad, but like with my aunts and my uncles and my, and my second cousins. So making sure that I'm surrounding my child with as much family as I can. And she really wants to share the story of how, again, how being first generation immigrants, it wasn't easy, but it made life easier for the rest of us who came after her. Yeah. How about you, Helen?
0: So my mom, she sent me these Chinese characters because she couldn't explain it in English, but it translated on Google literally to diligence is the mother of success. Idleness is the root of all evil, which might be a little too literal of a translation, but I can kind of see where she's coming from because she is one of the most diligent, hardworking women I know, especially when it comes to her work, to taking care of her grandkids, She works so hard every day. She's a very honest woman working for every dollar that she's been able to accumulate, and she is the complete opposite of lazy. I mean, you hear a lot about how immigrants, we get the job done, to quote the Hamilton play, but the core of this message from my mom is to not be idle and to get things done, which I definitely think has translated into my own personality and how I approach work as well. The second thing she mentioned, again, translated on Google Translate, is that filial piety is the most important of all virtues, to respect your elders. And one of the things that is associated with filial piety is that me, as my mom and dad's daughter, I need to take care of myself, because my mom and dad, they put all of their energy into taking care of me. So if I don't take care of myself, I'm not respecting them as my elders. If I'm not feeding my body, which they created for me, I'm not taking care of a part of them almost, and they will be sad to see me not well, which basically was just her way to say not to make her have to worry about me and to take care of myself. And lastly, above all, she said that family and staying close to your family and making time for your family is the most important thing. And I've definitely felt that throughout my whole life. And I really do believe this too. Family is my constant. They're my rock. They are my everything. They are the people that I call whenever I just feel a lull in my life and I just need something to ground me. I always FaceTime my sister and my mom just to like talk to them for a little bit. So I would definitely pass down these these tips to my kids as well
1: oh that's so sweet i feel like helen your mom always has these really great gems that you could uh, that you that you that you share and i, I to be honest like her answer isn't surprising because i think you're so close with your family that it makes sense that she wants to make sure your family is still ingrained in when you when
0: you're having a child which is very yeah. soon we're gonna play this for for baby baby wooing Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode. Um, This is such a great exercise to just do with your family members, with your parents specifically, because I think a lot of times, like we said earlier in this episode, it's a difficult conversation or a weird conversation to have to ask your parents about feelings and relationships and did they have any boyfriends or girlfriends before, mom or dad, you know? But asking these stories, you actually learn a lot about your parents, even if it's not just answering the questions itself. They sometimes go off into tangents, I think, especially with my parents, like they've told me these stories before and maybe it's that my sister and I just didn't listen and they just got to a place where they're just like all right I guess they're not interested in these stories and I just know that when I was asking my mom these questions like we talked kind of like you too Jay and I'm sure you too Mel like for over an hour where they just wanted to tell us more and more and more so Mm -hmm. so perhaps for anyone out there who is listening take a look at our questions that we use as prompts and just set up some time to ask them you know these questions and, and get them talking
2: And we do have a couple shout outs for this episode to Pauline
1: Gigi from Amanda. Thank you for being the best older sister to me and Brandon. We love you so much. And you're our biggest inspo to be present with others and enjoy life to Liz from Joanna. You are so loved and worthy Liz. I hope you're able to treat yourself with the same compassion you show to others to Adrian from Timothy from Toronto. Cheers to your new chapter and for courageously choosing you
2: and to Louise from Lorax. Hope you're having a great day. Love you to the moon and back. If you'd like to send a shout out to a friend, check out our link tree and our link in bio on our Instagram and click on shout outs. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all of her magic on our episodes, including this one.
0: And with that, we will catch you all on the next episode. Bye.